you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Di, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm excited to get to know you better and hear your story. So just start out by telling me a couple of things about yourself. Oh boy. Well, I'm just turned 45. Yeah, it was a big milestone. You know, it really was. Like, it's just interesting. 45 is, uh, I don't know what it was, but that number in my head, you know, like when I hit 40, I was like, okay, well, this is a big one. But then I was like 45. I mean, I'm halfway to 50, you know, and but that, that milestone that around 45, just remember my dad went through a lot of transitions when he was at 45. Now it, he passed a few years ago from pancreatic cancer, but I, I still think back uh, on his early forties to mid forties. I mean, he went through quite a transition. Him and my mom separated and then ultimately divorced. They both got remarried, you know, and have had long lives with, with their remarrieds. But when, when I think about what he was going through in that transition, and I see myself now at 45, it's just, it's different, right? Because he had two sons, I have two daughters. You know, and it's just, it's been really interesting. So I, I, as I noted, uh, I'm a father of two girls. They're 18 and 16, Chardonnay and Brie. And I've been dating my wife for 21, going on 22 years. So uh, that's that's like me in a nutshell. I'm someone that just loves to connect with people. And I really enjoy helping people facilitate change, you know, and evolve in their lives. Uh, and I do that through lots of different creative ways, uh, whether it be through personalized coaching or mentorship or even business coaching and consulting. Uh, it really depends. I, I tend to come at it from both angles because I, I work with lifestyle entrepreneurs. So, you know, people that are building businesses, but to support their lifestyle and, and make an impact in the world. So uh, it, I get to have fun conversations like this all day long. So I, I feel very fortunate and very grateful for that. And then outside of that, I live in Vancouver and, you know, just, just trying to, well, make sense of the world in these last two years. I think we can probably both admit to that, Heidi, and I'm sure that comes up in your conversations as of late, or at least the last couple of years. You know, I don't think any of us really forecasted for what we've experienced, but it's been pretty cool to see just how resilient humanity is. You know, it's uh, there's lots of glimpses of of things to keep us hopeful, but also inspired. And uh, I always make a point of trying to. To, to discover those or see those things, you know, uh, especially when we have those down days where it feels like, oh my goodness, nothing's going right. You know, it's like, okay, 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 okay. Take a step back and it's like, okay, outside of my little world, <laughs> my little ecosystem, there's so much good stuff happening. So, you know, it's going to be okay. So uh, that's it. That's that sort of 10,000 foot view. And obviously we'll, we'll see what happens when we get down into the weeds. Yeah. Yeah. You got to tell me more then. So I need to know a lot of times people are passionate about things because of things that happened in their life, or we do things, start things, work at places because of something that's happened to us. So I've got to hear your lemon, your lemon to lemon uh -huh. story. Take me back. Oh man. Well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I've become a connoisseur of lemonade. I'll tell you that. I've, I've, uh, I've had a few lemonade stands in my life and uh, well, some of the lemons, uh, I might've been missing some sugar, you know, uh, in my recipe. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm grateful for those, those challenges because uh, they have ultimately got me to where I am today. And, and, and even though, you know, I can have that positive outlook now, I, I'll tell you when you're going through it, for anybody that's listening or watching this, I mean, you know this, Heidi, like it's, when you're going through it, holy, it's hard. <laughs> but inevitably we get through it and we can look back on it, hopefully from a, a growth perspective and, and realize, wow, there's lots of learnings in that. And you know what? It was worth it. 
And uh, so that being said, as sort of to preface what I'm about to share, there's a there's a few different ones, but I'll, I'll take you back to probably the first time, like my first <laughs> lemonade stand, if you will. It was when I was 15. You know, I, I was uh, diagnosed medically. Now, this is really interesting. I like to qualify this because it was quite a weird experience. You know, I was actually 14 at the time. I remember going into the doctor's office with my mom and, and uh, the doctor steps outside of the office with my mom, but the, the door is open still. And I'm like, I can hear everything. You know, I'm 14, I'm not deaf. And uh, my grandparents were deaf, by the way, deaf mute. So uh, I do know sign language too, but but that's a side note. But uh, so so even if he signed, I wouldn't know what he was saying. Um, but, but he pulled my mom aside and said, Benny, yeah, your son died. He's morbidly obese. Now, you got to understand, at 14 years old, I, I didn't understand what morbid meant, <laughs> nor did I really understand what's, what's obese. And, and, you know, just to date myself, you know, back then, the term childhood obesity wasn't a thing yet. You know, it just wasn't a thing. I mean, you, you rarely would find those two words in the same sentence together, let alone side by side. And, and yet that's where I was. You know, I was, I was very overweight. My, my parents, as I mentioned earlier, you know, they, they separated and ultimately divorced. I was around nine years old at the time. It was, it was interesting. My world just got rocked, got rocked. Those big challenges, I mean, they're, they're, they seem like insurmountable mountains, right, at times. And I remember my parents separating and divorcing and just feeling like I, I didn't have any solid grounding underneath my feet. However, I did learn to console myself with emotional eating. And so I ate a lot of foods that were nutrition poor, yet calorie high. And, you know, do the math. <laughs> I wasn't moving my body much. I was playing video games, watching movies, doing things for quick dopamine fixes, and continuing to eat the way I was. And, and you know, over that five-year period, I put on a lot of weight, a lot of weight. And uh, things just got harder and harder. I, I, I would find myself thinking often about what life would be like if it wasn't a life anymore. You know, what, what would it be like to just not be here anymore? Maybe it would be a lot easier, you know, easier for me, easier for everybody else. Uh, you know, I really questioned, I didn't feel like I had any value to offer nor any value to speak of. And uh, it's a really hard place to be, you know, and, and I know this isn't a unique story. A lot of us have experienced this and I, and I hope those that may be experiencing this right now realize you're not alone. There's always an opportunity for, for support and to make some changes. But when you're in it, Sometimes it's not great hearing that, you know, because the belief systems aren't matching, right? So it's like as much as people say, well, nah, you, you, you should start exercising. You know, my parents trying to, you know, get me a personal trainer, get me a gym membership. I mean, they were trying, they saw how depressed I was and how withdrawn I was and, and they were trying to help me, right? But every time they tried to help me, I, I took it as a personal attack and I'd act out and, and inevitably I'd console my emotions again with more food. So it's just this awful cycle. And then one day, I remember getting out of the shower and Heidi, uh, I used to have this hack. Okay. It was a shower hack. <laughs> and I, I, I mentioned there'd be some people that are listening to this and probably like, I know what he's, I know this hack. I do this one too. Uh, I would stay in the shower and have it extra hot for uh, quite a while, you know, before I would get out because I knew as soon as I would get out, the mirror would be covering condensation. This way I wouldn't have to look at my reflection. Like, like that's how, much I tried to avoid acknowledging my situation. But for some reason that morning, my dad was rushing my brother and I to get out. We had somewhere to be for lunch and uh, I rushed the shower. I came out of the shower. I caught it in my profile view off to the side when I'm toweling off. And uh, for some reason I turned and I looked and I did a full turn, quarter turn. 
locked eyes in the mirror. And then I did the scan. Down, 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 up, up, up. By the time I got back to the top, I had to dry my chest off again because all the tears are pouring down my face and onto my chest. I just felt I was at rock bottom. You know, I, I felt like this is it. You know, I, I can't do this anymore. There was something in me, you know, I, I, and it's weird, right? Because it, now reflecting back on it, I can think about the processes. I also have language to describe the process. But again, I always try to remember my, you know, to myself, it's like, okay, is this actually how it happens? This is how I remember it happening, right? And, and so I'm trying to be as, as accurate as possible here. But I, I do recall, you know, this moment of thinking, okay, I'm almost 15. It's taking me five years to get here. If I keep doing what I'm doing, five years from now, when I'm 20, I don't think it's going to be any better. I know because in those five years, I kept getting bigger and bigger. I know I'll probably just be even bigger in the next five years. And that scared me. It scared me so much that I was more afraid of not changing than changing. Like that was the, the, the truth of it. I, I felt more afraid of not changing than the idea of, of trying to figure out how to do something completely different than I had been doing it for the last five years. Came out of that bathroom and I'm like, okay, right, well, I got dressed and then I went and found my dad. And I was like, dad, I, I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to get healthy. I want to be fit. I don't want to be fat anymore. And he must've seen something in my eyes. Cause that afternoon we went for that lunch appointment. And I said, you know, can, can I get a bike? I wanted a bike. I wanted something I could do privately on my own, because we lived out in a small rural community and I knew that if I started, you know, any, if I was five minutes outside of town, I'd be out in the, the, the apple orchards and the fields and the farmland. So I was like, that would be the perfect place for me to go cycle. There's no cars out there. I'll be by myself. I can just go and I can move. And so he took me and bought me a mountain bike. Literally that afternoon, we got home. I went for my first bike ride. And every day I just get up and go for a bike ride. Now it was hard. I, I gotta, you know, be perfectly honest here. It was really, really hard, especially those first few weeks. You know, going from zero to anything was challenging, especially on my state of unhealth at the time. And uh, and yet, I was looking for the win. If I think it's the easiest way to sort of describe it, you know, we're looking for the proof that these changes that we're starting to make are actually going to work. You know, because we sort of go on a leap of faith, don't we? A lot of times when we want to make big, big change in life, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to start doing things differently. And we sort of just trust that if I do this process, things will get better. Well, it didn't seem that apparent, okay? Especially when I was cycling, fully gassed. And I remember coming up to this, there was on my route, there's this one hill. And uh, I mean, it, I, I describe it as Everest, okay? <laughs> Even though it was like, it was just a rural hill. But it was big enough that every time I came up to it, I was thinking Everest. I was thinking insurmountable mountain and I remember the first time coming to that I made it about a third of the way up and I got to a point where I just I was pedaling but I wasn't moving <laughs> I was like freeze falling right like I was just frozen and then as soon as that and I fell off everything in me said okay die you're a failure get on the bike turn around just go home you know this is like 10 minutes into my bike ride right I'm like okay well that's that's not going to make things better I got to just keep going. So I walked the bike to the top and got on my bike and started going again. Every day I kept coming back to that stupid mountain. Okay. <laughs> and it was about three weeks in. I made it all the way up. I ascended it 
And I'll tell you, there, there was probably nobody happier on the planet that given day, or at least more proud. And, and my belief in myself for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, not only is change possible, but I made this happen. I did this. I did this. This is working. I'm getting fitter. I'm getting healthier. You know, there's obviously the pants test and you can get on a scale and you can do all that stuff. But this is, it was the performance I was looking for. I was looking for, how is this actually going to apply to my life? And things started to not feel so physically challenging anymore. I started to breathe better. I started to sleep a bit better. And I started to think a little bit more differently about myself. It took 18 months, almost 20 months, almost 20 months, if I'm truthful, to, to realize the, the shifts, you know, those changes. But Ever since then, I've, I've been committed to my health and well-being. I've prioritized my self-care. You know, I've had moments where I've fallen out of the, the, the regularity. Um, there's some stories there as well. Uh, challenges with uh, substance abuse, specifically uh, about 12 years ago. Uh, it hit a climax and uh, it, it was similar to my emotional eating. I just learned to deal with other stresses, but with drinking mainly. And um, I'm sure we'll get to that later. But uh, long and short of it all. I believe that change is possible. And I felt like I was finally in front of change, like actually the one facilitating it, not feeling like I was a victim of it anymore. And that was just where everything just switched, right? And, and the big thing that got me excited about coaching and mentorship was right around 18. I remember a couple of my mom's friends coming by. They're like, hey, is your mom home? Yeah, mom's in the back. She's doing some gardening. I'm like, well, that's cool. We'll see her after. But actually, we'd like to talk to you for a minute. You got a second? <laughs> and I was like, oh, sure. I, here I was. Oh, Mac. I was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. What did I do? I'm racking my brain. I'm like, oh, gosh, what did I do? Dad, you know, we, we've these last few years, I mean, you just made such some big changes. Like you, you lost the weight. You're looking really fit now. Like they could just tell, like, I'm living that lifestyle. And like, can we just talk to you? We, we want to make some changes and we'd like to pick your brain. I was like, you, you, you want to ask me? questions and i'm like looking around I'm like me <laughs> because that was the first time in my life people actually not only asked me a question but actually waited long enough for me to respond and, and that was very novel for me at that time and it was at that moment where all of a sudden i had value to give and i could help others do something similar that i had done and that was it that lit the fuse in me for coaching and mentorship and so ever since then since i was 18 i've been doing that coaching mentoring helping people facilitate changes in their lives and, and I just absolutely love doing it. I just love doing it. And I've done a lot of different capacities and, and, and different venues and, and, and sort of types of audiences. But at the end of the day, it's just about helping people facilitate change in their own life. That's it. That was my origin story of sort of where things got started. It's also why I'm, I'm really passionate about fitness. I, I've, I've been in the fitness and wellness space now for 26, 27 years. Um, and I love it. You know, at the very least, I'm going to live to be 120 plus. That's, that's my, my mindset is I'm going to live as long as I possibly can, but it's quality, as much quality as I can too. So it's not just a matter of longevity without the vitality, right? right. So uh, yeah, anyway, so that was a, a little 10 minute tirade giving you the backstory, but uh, there you go. You asked and I told you. I asked, I, asked. <laughs> I wanted to hear this. I'm uh, just picturing this little fat kid on this bike mm. and I'm just so proud of you. I'm just, my heart is just oh, going out you. and like to, to even do it, to think of it, then to do it, follow through, and then to stick with it. And I love your thinking of like five years from now, it took me five years to get here and five years from now, how much worse is it gonna be on this track? You know what this track is bringing you. You know what this life that you're on is bringing you, you're, you're living it. 
And I love how you were brave to change. I think that's amazing because that's where yes. the difference is. A lot of us can be plugging along and we can complain the whole time as why is everything always like this for me? And then not willing to change anything. And so I love how you looked at that and you're like, if I don't change, I'm going to be exactly where I am, probably worse. And so that was amazing. I love that. Very inspirational. And exciting. I love exciting. that you're making a difference now from what you went through too. You're helping other people. You're helping the other little fat kids on the bike. Like our weight is such a, I mean, I, I, I'm not concerned about the number on the scale. I'm, I'm concerned about how people feel, you know, yes. like how do you feel? But also how do you think about yourself? That self-perception, that self-belief, but I'll be fair in my twenties, I was the opposite, right? I was like, uh, no pain, no gain. I was the very much cliche type of personal trainer. It's probably why I wasn't very successful as a personal trainer. I ended up getting into fitness equipment sales because I could help people. But then once they made the purchase, I was like, okay, well I'm done. <laughs> You know, I, because I found as a trainer, I just couldn't empathize with my clients yet. I just, I, and it's even, and it's funny, right? Because I, coming from that background, you would think I would be able to empathize with people better. And, but I just didn't really appreciate it. At least not, not yet that, that not everybody can attack the changes the same way. I mean, exactly. we can learn from that, but exactly. just because I did it this way, I can't expect others to do it the same way. Right. And right. I didn't know that. I did not know that. And so, you know, I remember like just training like guys in their forties and, you know, here I am less than half their age, like basically training guys that are my age now. Right. And, and I just remember pushing them and be like, what are you doing? You know, suck it up, buttercup, you know, all the cliche phrases, you know, like, and then I think back on, I'm like, Oh man, but like, if only I knew, you know, then what I know now. Right. And I know that is like, oh gosh, it's cliche as it comes. Right. Like I think about my parents and hearing them say that and uh, here I am saying it. So it's, it's, it's funny, right? I, I, it is all perspective, but I, I do appreciate that. I can look back on now. And, and that was something that I, I really had to learn and embrace. And it wasn't until I hit late twenties, early thirties, that I really started to, to mature as a coach and a mentor. You know, in my twenties, I just, I was sort of fumbling my way through it, to be honest. <laughs> you know? Well, like you and, said, it works yeah. for you. And and that's what was so interesting about your story is the fact that you literally just decided that day, no more and did it. And that is not normal. <laughs> like most people get up and fail and try and try something else <laughs> and fail that and try something else and aren't happy and get deeper and depressed and harder on themselves. And they, they really go through a, a process with it. And so I can see how you couldn't relate with people. That makes sense. <laughs> like you're like, Hey, I just buy this equipment and you'll look like me. Like that's easy yeah, to say right. that. <laughs> but then they yeah. get home and go, wait, that you mean I have to do it every day? Now I got to like, work? That, you mean I got to get on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's funny. Well, it's great yeah. that you are learning that. And now, mm. now what is the, what is the sugar to your mm. lemonade? So what do you do different mm. now that you know what you know? Well, it, the empathy is such a powerful emotion. I mean, it's a, it's a connecting emotion, right? It's a, it's an understanding emotion. It's that ability for us to, to not only connect and understand, but really get a strong sense of, of what's the other person going through. You know, it's looking for the, the, that common bond and then working from there, you know, as they say, you know, figuring out, meeting people where they're at yes. and, and, and then going from there. That is something that I've gotten very good at, but I also have gotten really good at just helping people see the belief in themselves. You know, I, I always sort of like to say that I can see the potential in people that can't see it in themselves yet. And sometimes they just, 
need to be told and told and told, you know, and, and, and guided. And, and because I know there will come a moment where all of a sudden it's just like that switch flips and it's like, oh, I can do this. I got this, you know, and, and it's getting people to that place where they can in turn with full confidence say, I got this. You know, like that is the bridge that I, I'm really quite good at helping people engineer in their life. And in lots of different capacities, of course, depending on where they're at <laughs> and what's needed. But that that's, I, I say the sugar in my lemonade, you know, and I, I've had a lot of years to practice, obviously, and, and refine it. And I, I know there's plenty of room to continue to improve. And you know, I, even just recently this summer, I still continue to level up my education, became a neural change practitioner, you know, to really focus on the science of change and, and uh, really just, again, expanding my toolbox to further help people. And that's something that I'm, I'll, I'll be a perpetual learner. And I, I get the feeling, Heidi, you are very much the same. And I think that's a great aspect of all of this is we don't give up. We just keep changing and learning and then sharing what we learned. I think that's the mm -hmm. key. And that's why I do this. And I appreciate you just sharing what you know, because I want other people to be empowered as well. Just hearing your story and go, I can do it. And Wonderful. he gets well, it you. and he understands where I'm at. And if he mm. can do it, I can do it. I think it's great that you bring that up though, is that, that uh, I always remember there's, there's three questions, like anybody that wants to make a change, you know, and I think we, we sort of wake up one day and we're just like, okay, this is enough. I, I, I can't keep doing this, you know, because we, we, we just become hyper aware of the patterns. The, the things that we keep doing again and again, and we know it's not providing the results. In fact, it's probably providing diminishing results in whatever area it is that we're in, you know, and I, there's these three questions. Uh, the, the, the first question is, can I do this? You know, like, okay, change. Can I do this? Can I change? And, and that has a lot to do with belief, but if we don't have the belief in ourselves, it's often just an educational piece. So it's a matter of just learning the information, getting educated on what is the process that I could be doing to try to produce the results that I'm wanting to see in my own life or the changes, right? Because that's very important that we get to a yes on that one before we move on. If, you, if you're not believing that, yeah, I can make some changes, you don't believe that change is possible for yourself, change is going to be really, really hard. <laughs> you know, like it's, it, it's going to be really, really tough because it, 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 it's just without that strong why, as they say, you know, that, that strong reason for doing it and making the changes, it's really hard to sustain whatever path it is we're on because it's not our normal. You know, like you have to realize me at obese, my normal was feeling unhealthy. My normal was going up a flight of stairs and being gassed, you know, being absolutely knackered, <laughs> you know, like from one flight of stairs. I remember the discomfort of bending over to tie my shoes, but that was normal. It wasn't until I got back to health that all of a sudden my perspective shifted. And it's like, whoa, that thing that I thought was normal is not normal. This is normal. Feeling good is normal. It's just the further we are away from that, the, the, the harder it is to remember what it was like to be there. And so we lose that belief. Right. And, and so it's that education piece, learning to, to, to be able to say, yeah, okay, if I do this, I should get results. So like, um, so one, can I do this? Yes. Second question to that. So once you got a yes, number two question is, okay, if I do this, will it work? <laughs> right. It's like, okay, I'm going to commit to this process of, of getting healthy. So if I actually start to do these things, like maybe ride a bike, change what I'm putting in my mouth, <laughs> change my sedentary activities, 
you know, if I do these things, will it actually produce the results I'm looking for, which in my case was to release some weight. And I, I started looking at social proof again. You know, I was looking around at other people and the stuff that they were doing. I was like, okay, well, they're doing that and they're producing that result. So I believe that if I do that, I should produce some results too. So it's like, okay, if I do this, will it work? Yes. You know, can I do this? Yes. Now here's number three. And this one's tough. Okay. But it's the most important of the three questions. Is it worth it? Is the change worth it? And, and, you know, when I'm doing corporate change or I'm facilitating or, you know, doing a lot of corporate trainings or, or keynoting and stuff like that, and it's a larger groups, it might be an appropriate way to term. It. But when I'm talking to individuals, I'm always like asking them to reframe that question to, am I worth it? That question is really hard to answer when we've lost belief in ourselves and that confidence. And for me back then, you know, I couldn't get to a real confident yes on that. <laughs> you know, am I worth it? Well, yeah, I think I should be, but I didn't believe it. And this is where we have to look at our communities, look at our friends, look at our family. Because I know, and those that are listening to this, you know, if you went up to the people that are closest to you, those people that give you the unconditional love in your life and care and respect and the ones that really want the best for you. If you were to ask them and tell them, here's these changes I'm thinking of making. Do you think I'm worth it? You know what they're going to say? They're going to be like, hell yeah, you're worth it. Like, come on. How can we help you? You know, I, I know that will be the response. And that, that was what I needed. Right? I needed that boost from somebody else. And that's where, you know, community, a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a parent, a best friend, you know, someone who is truly there to support you unconditionally. If you don't believe in yourself yet, find someone who does. Because you will get there. But sometimes that number three question, it's hard to say yes to, you know, it really is. But I'll tell you, you're worth it. You just may not believe it yet, but you will, <laughs> you will. And so those are the three that I always like to invite people to think about. You know, if you're wanting to welcome change into your life, those are the three that can give you the clarity and the confidence. Because as soon as you get clear and you get confident, it's way easier to take action, 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 you know, repeatedly. Because we know that that's the path. So just keep repeating, wash and repeat and see the results. Once you have your why, you can make anything happen. And I love Ooh. that your why is just yourself, you know? Like, why not? Why not just do it for you? Like, that's why all not? you need. That's the only motivation. Well, you know, I alluded to the the, the thing about the alcohol, but I, I, I we see that for another time. But uh, I, I did recently do a, I had on my vision board for the last almost decade, I wanted to do a TEDx talk. And uh, I finally just did one this past spring. And it was all about vulnerability in men. And, uh, but I also, at the beginning of that talk, I, I share the story that happened 12 years ago that was the catalyst for me, again, embracing change into my life. And well, I was kicking and screaming a little bit at the beginning, but, but I, I embraced it very shortly after that. And, and it changed everything for me. Like my entire life trajectory changed as a result. And uh, it's a big reason why I'm here today, even talking to you. Had I not made those changes 12 years ago, but, but I'm bringing that up because if you want to hear that story, I mean, people can just listen to yeah. the TEDx talk and uh, oh, I, I go into the details. You can tell there. me, yeah, yeah, you can tell oh. me. I'd love to hear it. Well, listen, I, I had some habits. Okay. Uh, and there were some habits that, well, I felt were served me quite well. <laughs> you well, you know? were still trying to numb out, right? So you were yeah. numbing out with the food. And then once that's not an option, you're still trying to numb out from the pain you're having. So you're just going to change to something else until you get to that core of what's making you want to numb out. 
So it doesn't surprise me at all that it goes from food to something else. So go ahead. Sorry. And to something else and to something else, right? Like we have these perpetual, just, I mean, it just happens again and again, these patterns. And uh, for me, a lot of it stemmed from, again, my parents (laughs) going through that traumatic experience as a kid and learning to self-medicate with food. And, you know, I, I had a fair bit of social anxiety also as a result of that. Like I used to avoid large crowds. I used to avoid social events. And I mean, phys ed class no way changing from my peers no thank you tried it once got ridiculed made fun of teased bullied i was like i'm not doing that again and and so you know these very formative years were definitely uh, some very negative things happened to me and and so when i think back on it now i'm like well yeah i mean sheesh no wonder i i I had so much baggage i brought forward with me into my adult years you know (laughs) and um, I wish I could have packed lighter, but uh, I didn't. I brought it with me, uh, even though I wasn't fully aware of what I was bringing with me. And um, so I learned early on, though, around 1819, uh, especially based on the sphere of influence that were my friends at the time, uh, you know, I was introduced to alcohol. And, it, and I learned something really quickly that, well, if I have a couple of drinks here, I can, you know, the guy that's normally very introverted, quite withdrawn. I could be gregarious. I could be outgoing. I could be the life of the party. People wanted to talk to me and hang out with me if I had a few drinks in me. So this story was cemented, you know, and it just perpetuated and got worse and worse as I got into my 20s and my late 20s. And then when I got into my early 30s, you know, I was a dad. Both my kids were under the age of six at the time. I'd already been with my my wife at the time for 10 years, you know, and uh I also was scaling my company to eight figures a year. You know, like I, I had a lot of stuff going on. And yet I always managed to find the time to check out mentally by having a few drinks, which would lead to other things that I'm not proud of. Narcotic use, some promiscuity, like just things that were so out of my character. It honestly felt like I was living a double life. And, you know, these habits just kept perpetuating. And perpetuating, perpetuating. And I, I found myself like that little morbidly obese boy out of the shower looking in the mirror again and being like, who are you? You know, I don't know who you are. All these things that I said I wanted to do with my life, all the visions and the dreams, like as much as they're still there, I'm self-sabotaging over and over and over again. To the point that one day, you know, after an all night bender, <laughs> I don't even remember how I got home that night. Um, and wake up till noon the next day and my wife and the kids are downstairs and I made downstairs and my wife's just staring at me like this look that I've never seen before. And I shared with you earlier, you know, this idea that me being able to look in people and see the potential in that maybe they can't see in themselves. Well, that my wife's always been that to me. Well, I'll tell you that morning, she didn't see anything in me, nothing. And I could tell. And I just, all of a sudden it was like this sinking feeling like, oh my gosh, like, this is serious. This is like, this is no me sucking it up and trying to be good guy, die again and make good on what I did last night, whatever it might've been. Like just, I can make it right. You know, like I'd be very good at trying to do that and smooth things over and make amends. And uh, she sat me down and it's basically like, you know, this is not an environment I can, we, we, we're going to raise our kids in. And, and that was it. We started talking about what life could look like with us being separated and divorced and what was going to look like with the kids. And, and at this moment, Heidi, like I was just, you know, not only extremely hungover, dehydrated, feeling really down on myself, but also this was added to the pile. And I was just like, holy smokes, this is it. This is over. Like my life is 
going to forever change and I, I can't do anything about it. It was really scary. Very, very scary. And because uh, all of a sudden I realized that everything that I said that I valued, which I did value, but I was sabotaging, was actually going to be ripped away from me. And it was in that moment, you know, it, 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 you know between our crying and, and gosh, just, just, it was a, it was a tough conversation. And um, I, she asked me a question, Heidi, and this is why I think questions are so important, but also so clarifying. If, if asked for the right reasons by the right person at the right time, the right changes can come of it, you know, um, if we're willing to accept it and, and, or at least explore the question, you know, internally. And, and she asked me, she said, Di, are you being the type of man you'd want your daughters to marry? Like, boom. I was like, all of a sudden, that question, Heidi, I was just like, no. In fact, if a, if a man showed up on my doorstep, or a woman, or, you know, just a person showed up wanting to be closer with my kids, or even now at their age now, there's no way I would let them in the house. Like, there's no way. I'm like, no. And, and yet that's who I was. And that's who I was role modeling to my kids. This is a man. This is a father. This is a husband. This is a business owner. This is me. And I was role modeling all these behaviors. And it was just like, all of a sudden this epiphany, everything became clear. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make some changes. And so I made a commitment to my family that day. I was going to go one year without drinking. It's now turned into 12, going on 13. A lifestyle emerged from that. And I realized that I actually like myself a whole lot more. And I don't need alcohol to connect with people. Now, I had to learn all that. Okay. So I, I had to, I, I found a great psychiatrist. I found a counselor. My wife and I found a relationships counselor. Professionals, like support. You know, and I, and I also changed all my association. I recognize there's people in my life that didn't know how to deal with me now. My new sober die. There's only a few people that could support me out of my friend circle. Most of them, I made them uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, because they'd feel guilty. And I was like, this has nothing to do with you. This is me. It's your life. You do whatever you want. I'm not here to judge you. I don't care. I still don't care. I've, I've, and I had to learn a lot of new things, uh, especially about myself. Uh, but it was hard. It was challenging. There were some tough days, uh, but I'll tell you, it was so worth it. So worth it. After I got through that year, it was like everything changed. Everything changed. Like one year, you know, one year. Like if you knew that you only had to really work at something for one year to make the changes that could last a lifetime, what would prevent you from doing that? Well, the answer should be nothing. <laughs> you know. So, But I had to go through it to figure that out. You know, and um, my only regret was that I didn't make the change sooner. That was it. That was all. Well, when's the best time to make a change? Well, last week or right now, you know, like <laughs> just make the changes. You're worth it. Sometimes we just rather than like as I did, I didn't deal with the root cause. I just put something over top of it and I kept polishing the stuff on top without dealing with the root stuff as you alluded to before, Heidi, you know, and it very was that for me, it wasn't until I dealt with that, that initial stuff underneath that everything got better because I could make it look better on the surface, but I never really felt like it was better. And, and, and so that's sort of what I'm trying to equate to people right now, you know, help you understand is like, if you feel like you're in that situation where you're just, yeah, things great. Life's awesome. Da, 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 da. I, Cause I, I, I know it's easy to say that. And we, we try to 
convince ourselves, right? But if there's that underlying thing that's still causing that discomfort, those little things that we're, are nagging at us that we keep convincing ourselves is not a big deal until it is a big deal. So I invite people, whatever that splinter is, give it some attention. Ask yourself, okay, well, why is this creating a little bit of discomfort for me? Why do I not feel, you know, my happiest or my most fulfilled because of this one little thing? Why? Why am I tolerating this? Why am I putting up with this? Why am I continuing to bring this forward in my life with me? <laughs> because until we deal with the splinter, because <laughs> there will come a point where you will have to deal with it. And it's better to deal with it when it's a little teeny thing and you can pull it out with some pliers, right? <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, that's just all I wanted to leave with that. Oh, so <laughs> perfectly said. And now I'm going to think about that all the time whenever I be <laughs> like, oh, because you, you're, you're right. Yeah. You let that go and you take time or you get busy or whatever. And it just festers and gets worse and, and is a bigger problem. And that's how it is with our issues and our trauma in our life. If we don't embrace it and don't learn from it and move through it, then it's going to fester and it's going to hurt. And it's going to cause us a lot of pain and problem later. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks. You've been amazing Thanks. light in my life today. <laughs> and it's taught me so many great things to think about. And I really appreciate that. It's been really oh, Likewise. Great. Thanks for the, I mean, the opportunity to share and, and talk about this. So I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to, to reflect again and to sort of end on this. It, it, everybody that's listening or watching this, it, it, we, we all have these stories. We all have things where that we've bumped our heads up against this, this, you know, invisible wall, if you will, thinking, sheesh, this is hard. You know, wow, I, I, I want to see some changes. And we've navigated those changes. Like change is always possible if we want to make it possible, right? Like it, it, it's really on us. And I just want people to remember that you've been through tough times. You've navigated the changes and you were okay. So you can do it again. You know, we're all change makers, you know, like and we can all be helping facilitate the change rather than feeling like we're a victim of change. It's all about perspective and our relationship with change. So uh, I invite people, you know, just look at how change shows up in your life and try to remember the positive changes and even the changes that you tried to fight. What did you get by fighting it? Well, lots of lost sleep and, and uh <laughs> Yes. a bunch of other stuff too you know it's exactly mm -hmm. it and bad health and stress mm -hmm. and you're upsetting everyone around you and yeah and then you end up having to change and go through it anyway <laughs> so don't fight it Same. just go with it thank you so much this has just been great so thank you thanks for putting this out in the world you know it's uh the ripple effect is alive and well in you it's just it's awesome to see because you just never know who's going to hear it or watch it and it's just that one little drop right that can change someone's perspective in life and and you're making that happen by providing the platform and, and, and these conversations so thank you I, I, I really appreciate it thank you that's so kind you're still here well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview And I, I've, I've of the mindset, like anytime someone asks me, I'm always uh, extremely grateful and flattered and I, I make space for it ever. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. That's so awesome. That's how I am. If somebody wants to talk to me or have me speak, there's a reason and I'll just yeah. be, try to be in tune to whatever 
that is and be able to use my voice for whatever message they need to hear. So I'm with you. I love, love that. that. I appreciate love that. that. Yeah. So what, what got you started? I actually started as a radio talk show 21 years ago. Wow, in 1999. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Man, when talk yeah. shows were really like, that was it. That was like, it. That was, it was a radio that talk was show. Yeah. And so it was yeah. the lemonade stand and I interviewed people <clears throat> and heard their stories about how they've taken something hard and made the world better because of it. And it was amazing. I did it only for a year back then and ended up becoming pregnant with my last child. And so I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> signing off to be a mom and I'll be back, you know, 21 years later, I finally started <laughs> my podcast. I love it. I love it. So I'm well, like, it's it's okay. different, right? Now yeah. it's like, I mean, you do it all from home, you don't oh. need a fancy studio. It's like pretty, so pretty cool how better. accessible it is now, yeah. right? Yeah, it's so much yeah. better. And so I've actually taken some of my radio shows were recorded onto cassette tapes. And so oh. I put those onto my computer and I'll put those on my podcast. Cool. And then I've even reached cool. out to people from 21 years ago and asked him how they're doing now. So it's been wow. really cool. How so. cool is that? That's pretty neat. You know, that full circle. Full circle. Know, yes. To, wow. Wow. That's really neat, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that that would be cool to listen to like 20 years ago and then today. Like, cause it's yeah. just most podcasts don't have that tenure, right? Like it's right. just, I mean, it's a fairly new format uh, in, in the whole scope of media. So it's, uh, I mean, we don't have that longevity yet to be able to say, oh, you know, 20 years later, I'm back on a podcast again. So it's, yeah. that's kind of neat. It's kind of yeah, neat. Yeah, it's been really fun. The original tapes are really bad quality. So I hate that they aren't like super nice, you know, but the update shows are just um, problems don't stop, you know? And mm, even yeah. though there was that pivotal thing that they did 20 years before, They've had other things in their life and they're willing to share mm -hmm. those and they're willing to share where they're at. And sometimes things aren't really great 20 years later. Mm -hmm. And it's been amazing to talk to people and find out about life. Beautiful. I'm just grateful ah, you're talking so cool. to me too.